You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Chillas, I receive a lot of communications from people all over the world claiming they can help people lose weight and they've got a miracle cure for fat and all of this stuff. And I don't really buy into any of that. And I think if you're a part of the Bride Chiller community, you may know that uh, I'm a little anti-sweating for the wedding. I'm not anti-exercise. I'm just anti-starving and not looking after your body. By the way, I'm Alicia and this is the Bride Chiller podcast, a show that is all about helping you plan your wedding without losing your shit. But today, I am uh, I am changing my tune a little bit because a couple of months ago I received an email from Gemma Clark, an Aussie, of course, because she's a legend, who basically said, I'm going to just para- I'm gonna paraphrase some of her email because it, it floated my boat so hard. I was like, let's do this straight away. She says, I'm a long-time listener and current bride chiller planning my hella chiller wedding. Yes, I'm based in Perth and I'm a clinical nutritionist, like degree qualified. None of this. I did a four-hour course and now I can diagnose health issues over the phone bullshit. Straight away, I loved her. I work with women, mostly, um, though I have women, mostly, comma, Gemma, you're a good writer. I'm a bad reader. Uh, And, uh, I like the bride chiller, like my style of nutrition is completely bullshit free. I never really talk about weight loss or aesthetics, even if that's the client's goal. Gemma, you had me hooked from hello. You had me at hello. You really did. Gemma Clark, welcome to the show. Let's do a proper introduction. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You you connected with me because honestly, I do receive a lot of opportunities from people that aren't really good opportunities. And I think I have this wonderful connection with my audience and there's a trust there. And for me, I'm very mindful of who I invite on the show because I don't want to be spreading misinformation and bullshit. And seriously, the amount of money I could have made from spruiking diet teas and all this bullshit that people send to me, I'm just like, no thanks. So when you connected with me, I was like, this chick knows a business. I think being, you know, planning my wedding as well, I've kind of been exposed to, to so much vulnerability, I suppose. And, and I think it is pretty um, natural for, you know, marketers to latch onto that kind of vulnerability and it just drives me insane. And um, yeah, it really kind of made me check myself as well that, you know, I don't want to do anything irrational. And, and so I had to nutrition and stress check myself. So, um, yeah, it was something that I thought, well, if I'm, you know, finding this beneficial for myself, then surely all of these other people in the same vulnerable position as me would find it, you know, somewhat useful. Oh, absolutely. And and what also really enticed me into wanting to have this chat and share your knowledge and expertise with our community is you really hit on a point that I have connected with personally, and that is stress and hormonal imbalances and what so many of these quack uh, messages that we're getting, whether it's in a Facebook ad or we're hearing, uh, you know, we're watching our favorite Real Housewife spruik as a diet tea or some bullshit it doesn't connect with actually what's going on mm-hmm. in our body and why our bodies could be reacting a certain way and whether that way is feeling run down or putting on weight, losing weight. It really doesn't connect with any of that. So when you said to me you wanted to talk about looking at um, 
the clinical is in, I suppose, the proper air quotes reasons as to why our bodies are reacting and how we can help mm. ourselves. You, you really made me excited because I think this is the sort of info I want to share with our people. And there's so much to say. I don't even know where to begin. Where do you want <laughs> oh, to gosh, I don't even know where to begin either. I guess this, there's so much um, saturation of health information like available at our fingertips. And, um, you know, I, I see mm. clients a lot who, who do self-diagnose and it's terrifying um, when, you know, often we're probably overcomplicating things a little bit. Um, but it is important to know how our bodies work because that's the way that we, you know, can then make our bodies work even better. Do you think the idea, and I think, you know, I talk a lot about over Pinterest, over Instagramming. I've done a recent episode that's looking at choice and how hard it can be when you are surrounded by so many options. And when you read, you know, you go on bloody goop and you think, okay, goop, <laughs> I don't know, I picked goop, but that, you know, it, it, I think I picked it because it's got an element, uh, it's promoted as a very high end quality mm. blog. But then you delve a little deeper, and I think there's a lot of woo woo that they push that doesn't necessarily have any basis, you know, in fact. Um, but it's very hard when things are dressed up very nicely and you are being fed all this information and people are telling you, high protein, low carb, you shouldn't eat this, you should eat this, there's no fat, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, oh, my God, where the mm. fuck do we begin and what suits my body? Because everyone's different as well. We don't all have the same oh, machine. Oh, completely. Um, and, and, you know, what works for me might not work for you. What works for you might not work for me. It, it's so confusing when you have got all this information at your fingertips and, you know, apparently you've got to spend thousands of dollars to look and feel amazing and that's not the case whatsoever. Um, I think that we do overcomplicate it so, so much. Um, and, you know, there is an element of trying to find the miracle cure, which you know, doesn't exist. But um, I think often mm-hmm. um, I, I a lot of the women I see um, tend to kind of be at the end of their tether where they've tried um, every single diet or every single um, thing that, you know, their personal trainer has told them to do or their, you know, physio has told them to do or anybody's mm-hmm. told them to do, the guy on the bus has told them to do. Um, and they're at the point where it's like, okay, <laughs> I think I need some individualized care. And you're like, yes, okay, I could have told you that from the beginning, but I'm, I'm so glad that you're here now. Um, and often, you know, it does take a, just a different perspective of somebody who understands how your body is working or not working. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, taking a thousand different supplements or going on a radical diet change. It can be as simple as one or two, you know, dietary and lifestyle tweaks to make you feel, um, a lot different. Um, and then, you know, if it's a really kind of chronic health case or hormone imbalance, you know, it might be a series of, um, health and lifestyle tweaks, but it doesn't all have to be done at once. Yeah, and that, do you think that's the problem? I mean, you, so yeah. your business is called the Sprout Nutrition and Wellness, and you've got a gorgeous website, a lot of information, and actually this is somewhere I could spend a lot of time because I think you have focused a lot about explaining things in a clear and uh, layman's terms sort of way that <laughs> isn't full of gobbledygook and isn't confusing, which I think is half of the problem. You go on and go, I, do I need acidophilus? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why acidophilus is great. It's good for your gut health. Um, what a, <laughs> Dr. Alicia then is saying to everyone by acidophilus. We'll talk about that later. Um, But the idea that it's about communicating how things work and how, you know, what what works best for you. But Mm -hmm. but tell me about 
nutritionist. Let's break down what you do because I think a lot of people, you hear a lot of labels and as you said in your email, people can get shitty little pretend degrees and say, I'm an expert and actually you probably aren't. I don't know if you should be looking after my health and general well-being. Tell me about what being a nutritionist is and how you work with clients. That's a good basis, I think, for everyone. Um, sure. So uh, my training is is more in the natural health um, world in the sense that um, it's very similar training to naturopaths. Uh, so the way that I work with clients is um, the first consultation is quite a long one. We spend an hour basically, it's pretty much an interrogation uh, session where, you know, I ask a whole <laughs> lot of questions and it's not just about, um, you know, your health and what you're eating and, you know, what your poo looks like and all that kind of stuff, but it's about, you know, what are your mm. Relationships like are you, um, you know, doing things in your life that you enjoy, um, and then it's also kind of uh, taking a look and being like, okay, well, how's your skin, and you know, stick your tongue out for me, and let me just check that out, and how are you sleeping? So it's about looking at all of the aspects of your life, um, so mentally, emotionally, and physically, and seeing how it all fits together in in the puzzle that is you. And sometimes, you know, there are a couple pieces that have been put in the wrong spots or there's a piece missing. Um, so our jobs as nutritionists is to be able to identify that and then give you the tools to be able to fix it up. So, um, you know, the, the way that I work and, and most nutritionists work is, you know, we don't we're, we're not the ones that fix you. It's it's giving you the tools to be able to fix yourself. That's a good point. And, and hmm. do you think looking at some of these sort of radical diets, and, and I'm not, oh, who am I to judge what people do, but some of the things that I've been reading people are doing cannot be good. You mentioned skin and, and your outside look, I suppose, of, of hmm. your you know dry hmm. skin, oily skin, healthy skin, looking like you're a grey zombie. Some of these diets that I'm reading about cannot be good for the rest of your body. Yeah, they might make you rapidly lose weight, but you feel like shit and look like shit as well. That is not, to me, health and well-being. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, all these different crash diets too, they're not sustainable. So, mm. you know, if you're looking at something as a diet too, then that insinuates there's, there's an end point to it. Yeah. So, you know, why, why bother with an end point when you can have, you know, a diet and a lifestyle that supports you long-term um, and makes you feel good long-term rather than this crash diet that might get you a result that you want for, you know, a two-week period, um, but makes you feel shit in the process. So, yeah, and then you put um, on all the weight again. If you've lost weight, it all comes back on pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And that long-term energy restriction really gets our bodies used to being slack. So when I'm saying a long-term energy restriction, that's, you know, if we're really cutting calories, um, those your standard crash diets. And when a crash diet, when a diet generally is, is restricting a food group, for instance, it's typically, um, or restricting the period of time in which you can eat, um, it tends to just result in you eating less anyway. So yeah, it gets our bodies used to, to being really slack. So it's it's almost like if you work in an office and there's always that one person who gets away with being lazy and unproductive and they kind of bring the whole team down. So your body becomes that person and it's not going to give you more than the bare minimum that it needs to. So yeah, those crash diets over time will keep our organs going, but they won't make you feel energized. They won't make you feel happy or strong. And yeah, you'll lose that glow and you will look like a gray zombie um, in in that period too. 
people do look. You look at someone, you know, I, there are people that I've seen that have been following, oh, I'm not going to mention it, but people I've worked with who've been following quite extreme diets and you're like, oh, Dale, you're 23. You don't need to do this. Your metabolism's working well. Eat some bloody greens. But, <laughs> you know, it does affect people. There's the color of their skin and their energy. You watch the, the lethargy kick in at three o'clock, but that also comes from people eating a lot of sugar and, and feeding mm. their bodies with those energy drinks and stuff. And I'm 37 and I think I feel better than I ever did at 25. And I'm looking after myself in a lot of, uh, a lot more a sensible way in the sense I'm exercising and I've got a really good balanced diet, but it's taken a long time for me to really connect with that. Do you think, um, when it comes to things like hormones, do you think mm. we're getting a lot of misinformation about what that, you know, finding balances, or do you think people not even think about that as mm. all, at, at how it all connects with our, with weight loss and diet and putting on weight and, and, uh, and also losing weight as well. Mm. We, we always talk about losing weight for wedding. Some people want to put weight on and we mustn't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that hormones are sort of flavor of the month, um, in terms of nutrition and health. And, um, I think it's important to, to know that not everybody has imbalanced hormones. Um, and, and certainly, you know, there are some people who, who do. Um, and for those who kind of aren't sort of aware of what a hormone actually is, um, so yes, we might do that first. That should yeah. be my question first, Gemma. No, what's a hormone, Gemma? Well, I mean, we talk about it. We talk to like our gynecologists and stuff about it, but who really knows? Endocrinologists and, and and things like that. And it's just sort of a buzzword. But basically, hormones and there's lots of different hormones in the body, and they're they're basically the body's messengers. So some of them will tell your body to store fat. Other will tell your body to burn fat. Some make you hungry. Others let you know you're full. So. Yeah, it's basically your your like body's group chat, pretty much. So, I guess when it comes to um, stress and 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 weight and all that kind of thing, we've got a stress hormone called cortisol, and that's basically telling your body to freak the fuck out. Um, so, some right. stress can be beneficial, but I'm talking about like chronic stress when things do kind of pile up a little bit. Um, and cortisol makes you reach for sugar, typically. Um, yep, and and if I can then deviate slightly just in terms of Please. how our body, when I'm, when I'm talking about stress hormones and, and what even is stress. So um, I think the way that we tend to refer to stress is in that emotional sense um, where you go, Oh my God, I'm so stressed and I'm pulling my hair out. Um, but stress is also physical. Like if you're doing um, cardio exercise or, you know, really heavy weight training, that's, that's a stress on the body. Same with, you know, if our bodies are dealing with situations like um, a disease or poor health um, or you're trying to digest something that your body doesn't agree with. So no matter the source of our stress, our bodies deal with it and respond to it in, in this exact same way. So it kind of goes back to our ancestors when, you know, they weren't just stressed over, you know, 100 unread emails in their inbox or, you know, what colours to choose for bridesmaids without pissing them off and all that kind of stuff. So for them, stress kind of normally indicated they were in a life or death situation. So it was pretty much like they were being chased by a tiger. So when you're being chased by a tiger, your body just wants to survive. So all the things that aren't vital to immediate survival start to switch off. So that's things like digestion, right. like our ability to reproduce. Um, that's why some people lose their periods if they're really stressed. Um, things like keeping our mood stable. So instead... 
when we're in that stress mode, the body is just really pumping out adrenaline and um, our stress hormone, which is called cortisol. Um, and cortisol, and this is going to get a little bit scientific, but we'll get through it. Do it. Cortis- Let's go it. I'm ready. We'll prepare our ears. So cortisol, um, it, it pulls uh, sugar into our bloodstream. So that gives us energy and the power to, to run from this tiger, right? So when we've got so much sugar in our bloodstream, eventually it's going to get too high. So we release another hormone called insulin um, and that comes out to stabilize it. So cortisol and insulin kind of have this tug of war for a while and we end up having loads of peaks and dips um, with our blood sugar, so our energy. And that messes with all of our other hormones as well. So they're the messengers in the body um, and generally just stuffs up our metabolism. So when we're chronically stressed, so either stressed for a long period of time or we've got a period where there's just lots of different types of stress stacking up onto each other, there's no relief for the body. And we get to the point where um, your adrenal glands pretty much just tap out and you end up completely exhausted or um, having an emotional breakdown. Um, so stress can be really detrimental to the body. Um, and how that relates in terms of um, like weight management, whether you're trying to lose weight or gain weight or even just maintain your weight. Um, so that, that cortisol makes us reach for sugar because of the way that our blood sugar is kind of peaking and troughing. Um, it can also turn you off your appetite, and that's a, a sign of really high stress. Um, and either way, you're going to be low in energy. So, yeah, then because of the way that, that the insulin kind of interacts with cortisol, um, stressed people can find it really hard to maintain a healthy weight. Um, so when your body's pumping insulin out, basically it inhibits another hormone um, that tells us to, to burn fat. So we don't burn fat and we store it. So over time, um, the body needs to pump more and more insulin to actually get your, your body to do um, what it's meant to in terms of stabilizing your blood sugar. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's a bit like drugs really, where you need to take more to get the same hit. Um, and, and, and that's yeah. where people become, you know, insulin resistant or, or even pre-diabetic. Um, and obviously then get the, the health and weight issues uh, associated with that. So all of that's happening in an otherwise healthy person. So as soon as you bring in any kind of hormone imbalance, um, whether it's, you know, PCOS or, or even through menopause and things like that, there's even more at play. Um, so it's a really kind of delicate balancing act in terms of, of hormones and, and getting them to send the right messages to your body. I went, listen, I'm so glad you explained all that because it's complicated. I think a lot of people would never have even considered, you know, how their hormones affect their metabolism and affects their stress levels, how stress levels affects themselves as well in their, their um, mm-hmm. processing of fats and burning. It's, fascinating and I'm so glad you explained that in such an easy to you know understand way if we start messing with doing these crash diets and being I would say irresponsible I'm going to say it does that then fuck up the hormones in the long term like I, I I've heard look a friend of mine here's a secret worked on the biggest loser in Australia and that is not great now I love Commando Steve, I love all the people. I love all the trainers. They're great. But what they do to achieve and the pressure put on these people to drop weight and some of the stuff I heard from the back end 
Sounds rude. The back, you know what I mean? The back. What am I trying to say to <laughs> I hope you didn't hear too much from the back end. <laughs> Jesus, that's grim, isn't it? Um, back, yeah, backstage area. It wasn't great hearing some of the tactics some of the contestants used. And this isn't necessarily um, something that production had anything to do with, but this was people getting desperate. They wanted to achieve. But then also um, hearing a little bit about how quickly they put weight back on and the effects that it can have in their metabolism in the long term is actually pretty scary. So tell me a little bit about how that can affect, if you're messing around and doing these sort of crazy things, can it really screw up your body later on in life or even six months down the track? Oh, for sure. And interesting, you mentioned um, The Biggest Loser as well. So in America, they used the American contestants to um, do a research study and they found that um, because they started to put on this weight not too long after they finished a the show, they were trying to figure out why. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually their their basal metabolic rate. So that's um, the amount of energy that your body needs to just survive should you be doing absolutely nothing all day, um, had gone so low because they'd been restricting their calories for such a long period of time to really, you know, literally, you know, hundreds of calories when we should be eating thousands of calories per day. Yep. Um, and they found that when they went back into their normal lives, even though they were eating um, still, you know, well and, he- and healthy foods, uh, their bodies had gotten to this point where it just wasn't used to, you know, a normal quantity of energy. Um, and so instead of understanding how to use it, the, the hormones in their bodies were essentially telling um, telling their bodies to store that excess um, energy as fat. Um, so yeah, over the long term for sure. And if you think, you know, bigger loser happens over a period of months, if you're crash dieting, um, for months or years, the effects of that can carry on, um, hugely where your body just doesn't, isn't used to being able to deal with a larger amount of energy when you do go back to a normal way of eating and going back to that normal way of eating is inevitable when you're doing a crash diet. It's really scary, and I think a lot of people wouldn't even think that 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 could affect them in the long term. And and I remember reading about that study, and there's a um maybe it was sixty minutes America did a story about that, and it was quite fascinating, but also quite scary about how hard these poor people had to work, and they'd achieved such amazing results on the show, but then just got fatter, but had to work harder. It really sucks. Yeah, and then you know wondering what their sleep and things would be like as well. Yeah, it it makes me um, really frustrated as as a nutritionist for for that kind of thing. And you know, I I understand that there's some warm fuzzy stories that come out of it, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's just not a sustainable thing to be you know promoting to other people. I suppose. Totally. Gemma, after the break, I'd love to talk with you a little bit about eating plans and uh, working with a nutritionist, how people can connect with you, but also uh, locally if they want to go one-on-one with someone in their local area, how to find the right person and make sure they're not working with someone that is a degree qualified in four hours. Uh, this is the Bride Chiller <laughs> Podcast. I'm speaking to the lovely Gemma Clark from thesprout.com.au and there'll be more after this. Gemma, working with a nutritionist and working with maybe a personal trainer or doing a little bit of extra exercise, is that someone something that you do? Do you work in, in unison with exercise people or how, how, what's the whole process? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so depending on, on your nutritionist and I guess their background. So as I said, mine is more of a, a naturopathic background. Um, so I work really closely with, with naturopaths, with physiotherapists, chiropractors, that kind of thing as well. But a lot of nutritionists also work alongside, um, doctors and GPs. So, um, and, and certainly personal trainers and, and gyms and, and things like that. Depending on, on where you live, there's often really close networks where people do refer to, to people that they know and trust. Yep. And, and yeah, and I often um, really encourage my clients as well to uh, let their, you know, train, say if it's a personal trainer, let their personal trainer know that, you know, they can contact me if they'd like to, you know, know how I'm working with the client. And similarly, I, I often ask, like, is it okay if I call your personal trainer just so that we're not giving two different types of information and making the whole thing more confusing than it needs to be? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to actually um, understand what someone is, is doing health-wise outside of just seeing you as a nutritionist. How do you go about, like you said, you have the big meeting at the beginning and you go through mm. people's meal plans. And I obviously, you know, some people are lactose intolerant. Some people can't eat wheat. There are you know, lots of different dietary um, ch- choices, I suppose, mm. and also restrictions that people have to follow depending on their specific health. But tell me a little bit about working on meal plans and making it fun for people because I think this mm. is where people get bogged down and going, oh, I can only have zucchini spaghetti for the rest of my life. And a zucchini or courgette spaghetti, as they call it in England. You're not allowed to call a zucchini a courgette here. You get sent to the stocks. Oh um, I know. I know. It's crazy. Zucchini spaghetti. I'm saying it, Brits. Uh, but it's delicious, but it's not always fun to eat all the time. How do we find a balance in eating well and working with someone like you and enjoying our food and not feeling like you're on some sort of, you know, in some sort of concentration camp? Oh, for sure. I would be really skeptical if you're seeing a nutritionist who um, gives you a meal plan and tells you that you can only eat these things. Um, so the way that I work uh, is, you know, we, we go on what you what your diet already looks like and, you know, if I can see that, okay, maybe um, you're a bit of a sweet tooth, so how can we um, replace some of those I guess, less healthy, sweet options with some healthier options like some fresh fruit and stuff like that. Um, so it's not about restricting. It's more about just replacing with healthier options. If I can see that right. you're, you know, big into Mexican, um, then I might say, okay, well, here's a like cool Mexican recipe that maybe you can try that once a week. Um, so it's about finding what you're already doing and then just tweaking it in a way that um, works better for your health. Um it's, I often see people who aren't eating um, enough. Um, so then it's just giving like really visual cues as to, okay, if you're already eating this, I want you to try and make it, you know, the size of your palm or the size of your, you know, fist. Um, so it's, it's not about doing a big uh, overhaul of your diet. It's more about just finding what works for you. And sometimes a lot of the finding that that's the whole process so I think a lot of the time people just don't know really what does work for them um, because they've been told by a thousand different people what should be working for them and it's not Um, so often working with the nutritionist Mm. is really just about identifying you know what does work for me Um, and then you know we'll have that big consultation at the beginning and then um, you know probably two or three weeks later I typically would see a client again um, and they'll go you know what that particular part of um, what we talked about wasn't really working for me. How can we troubleshoot that? 
It's interesting you said about meal sizes and also when you're eating meals. I think there's maybe there's been a positive shift and it's good that, you know, looking at eating more regularly and eating smaller healthy snacks is actually really good for you. And I think that's, well, I think it's good. It's good, isn't it? Look, for most people, it is good. Um, For some people, three meals a day is better. But again, it comes down to the individual. Some people are naturally not snackers. Some people are grazers throughout the day. So again, it really comes down to what floats your boat. What do you think about um, carbs? <laughs> Let's just say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, as much as I love, zuc- I'm going to say it's zucchini spaghetti, oh, um, yeah. I do love a good quality Italian mama's spaghetti. Um, yeah. Look, I think that um, carbs have had a bad rap. And, and you know, carbs carbs for the for the 21st century are what, you know, fat was in the 90s. Um, they've been really demonized. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting when I go out with friends and th- things like that, and, you know, obviously they know I'm, I'm a nutritionist and they're going, oh, no, I can't have that, you know, it's too carbier. You know, you know what, just... <laughs> just freaking enjoy yourself every once in a while. Like sometimes you need like a good slab of pizza, but look, I think um, it's about choosing, uh, it's about choosing the right types of, of carbs. And it's like anything, like it, it sounds like a broken record and um, you know, it's all about moderation. And I think if you're restricting carbs um, long-term and, and um, when we say carbs, we're talking about pastas, breads, grains, um, Sugar is a carbohydrate. Um, so, you know, you could effectively say that fruit is a carbohydrate. Um, when we're restricting anything for a period of time, we get to this point where it's, it's like we're naughty kids, really. So yeah. if, if mum's saying, oh, no, you can't have ice cream for breakfast, the first thing that you're going to want to do is have ice cream for breakfast. So as soon as we're telling ourselves, like, oh, no, we can't have any pasta ever again, or like, oh, my God, like I can't have even oats because it's a carb, um, then the first thing that we start craving is carbohydrates. So I think it's important to um, not restrict so much. Um, For some people and often people um, with really challenging hormone imbalances um, or type 2 diabetes and that kind of thing. Yes, a lower carb diet can be really um, therapeutic and beneficial. But I think for the most, you know, the majority of the population, a little bit of like good quality carbohydrate um, is is a really healthy thing to have in the diet, um, whether it's, you know, quinoa or, or brown rice or, you know, a little bit of pasta here and there. And I always think like if you're going out with friends or your family or you're having you know, special occasion meals and, and things like that. At the end of the day, you know, food is something to be enjoyed and food is something that we yeah. we often have rituals around it. So why ruin that with, you know, negative self-talk of going, oh, but, you know, it's a lovely occasion, but I can't even have cake. Um, so I think we just need to be, you know, reasonable. It's all about moderation. Of course it is. I mean, I recently, I was like, I suffer from migraines and I've had them since I was 16 and they will probably be with me forever. And I am always trying to find new ways to manage it. <laughs> and last year, my doctor put me on a really low dose um, antidepressant, which is not used as an antidepressant anymore. It's it's just used for migraines and uh, neurological things. Neurological things, medical talk with Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on it for six months and it was a, you take 10 milligrams a day and it was fine and it was actually helping with my migraines. But I started to put on weight and mm. 
funnily enough, my GP in the UK didn't really pick this up and I kept sort of saying, I'm, I don't feel I'm really active. I eat, you know, I, over the last few years, I've found a really good balance in my diet and I feel like I've been able to maintain a weight that I'm comfortable with and I feel great. And then it wasn't until I went to America and saw my cousin Belinda and her husband, Luke, who's a doctor. And I'm like, Luke, what the fuck's going on? Just help me here. And he said, the medication you're on, it, it decreases your metabolism. Yeah. It's like old school. And I was like, man, wish my GP in London that I actually go to would have told me that. Why were we going around the bush, beating around the bush with all this stuff? And it was fascinating how quickly I got off that medication. It wasn't doing me any good. Um, it wasn't a long-term medication. And I my weight, weight back, went back to normal really quickly. But for me, it made me really tap into metabolism and explore more about what uh, my metabolism was doing, but also what metabolism was to figure it out. Because I thought, I've never really thought about it. I just work out, things work. And uh, this was the first time in my life I was doing a lot of exercise and really struggling with it, going, why? Why is this happening? And it was all because of a tablet. It's And it's so common. And even, you know, there are different medications as well that um, like even things like the oral contraceptive pill, for instance, can really deplete your body of, uh-huh. of B vitamins, which are really important for producing energy. Um, and, and so you get all these and, and, and really healthy um, brain chemicals too. So, uh, you know, I see a lot of people who um, have been on, on the pill and they're um, struggling with these really low moods or really low energy. And it's like, well, let's just, get, if you don't want to come off the pill, then let's get you a good B vitamin at least. Um, and, and so, yeah, yep. a lot of medications and, and other supplements as well um, can really affect your how your body is working and the the amount of nutrition that you actually need. Um, it, so, yeah, I, I completely understand that. And it's so frustrating too. Oh, it was killing me. And it, I mean, it's like I was healthy and I'm like, I got to mind a couple of kilos, but it was really getting me down because I thought I just couldn't figure it out. And I was like, maybe I'm just getting <laughs> old and now this is how my body will be. But it's also like, no, there are people that are older that still have that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And look, as you do get older and you are by no means old. Um, so I think. No, you're not, old. You're That's not true. old at all. Um, but, you know, as you do get older, things do slow down a little bit. And when we are talking about metabolism, um, yeah. I guess the metabolism is is your uh, your life force. I suppose it's how your body creates and uses energy in a very simplified um, explanation of that. Um, and yeah, yeah, certainly different medications and different things that we do with our diets and our lifestyles can. Um, I guess for one of a better term, speed it up or slow it down. Um, and, and yeah, completely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, <laughs> antidepressants are, uh, even the uh, newer ones, um, do cause a bit of weight gain in a lot of people. And I suppose that's just a matter of talking to your doctor and saying, look, if here's, here's the plan. I'm seeing a nutritionist. Maybe I'm doing a bit of extra exercise or I'm just changing up my, my routine a little bit. But obviously speaking to your doctor, we would encourage because that's the first step of realizing um, if you're on certain medications that they might be able to give you advice, unlike my doctor, uh, about what you know is good, how it works and how it may affect your body. That's just obvious, but I'm going to say it. Yeah, absolutely. And if your doctor, if your doctor says that they don't know, um, and, and sometimes I think, um, and I, I've got friends who are doctors and, and this isn't to bash on them, but sometimes I think, um, doctors have a hard time, um, admitting that they don't know something. Um, and, and I think if you, if your doctor is 
is saying that they don't know something, then it is something to, to bring up with your other healthcare um, practitioners, whether it is a, a nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath, um, because there's so much research out there and there are so many resources that a good practitioner should have access to that would be able to give some answers. Yeah. It takes a village. It takes a village. Gemma, this has been really informative and I'm so glad, you know, I think, as I said in the intro, the fact you're bullshit free, you're straight talking, you're not promoting any sort of woo-woo, you're just really trying to help people understand how their bodies work and how then to use strategies obviously backed by science and uh, finding ways to make people feel better. And I think the stress thing is such a big thing. So many people throughout many stages of their lives go through these peaks and troughs of stress and it can affect us in so many different ways and I think it's tapping into um, listening to your body, but also feeding your body the right stuff and then actually allowing yourself to chill out and relax, says the woman who's terrible at doing that. No, hugely. You're not a shit person for eating chocolate. So, and I think, you know, it comes, oh, I love chocolate. Yes. Like it comes to, you know, respecting your body too. And that's physically and emotionally. So, you know, if you wouldn't tell yeah. your best friend that she's a fat pig for eating chips, then don't say it to yourself. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Good. Yeah, remove that guilt. And we're not yeah. fat pigs. Mm. Yes, guilt with food. I find guilt with food just, just so frustrating. And I think, you know, if we go to a burger place and I have a big chocolate milkshake, you're never going to sit there and, you know, you're not eating them every day. We're not saying go to a burger place and have a chocolate milkshake every day, although it would be delicious. <laughs> I but wish. My ass would be good. But, <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about – You're never going to go oh. – Yeah, like oh, I wish I never had that burger and that delicious, like, bunch of chips. Yeah. Oh. Oh, God, I want the chips now. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> oh, now it's dinner time here. I'm starving. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, food, what do you eat is literally feeding your life. So it's more about making the choices of foods that give you the life that you want to live. And some days the life you want to yeah. live is a bit of like the gluttonous life where you're chowing down on gelato. Um, but other days, you know, the life that you want to live is – um, you know, being able to run a marathon or, um, you know, have heaps of energy to, you know, keep up with your kids and, and things like that. So um, it, it is all about balance at the end of the day. And if the life that you want to live is a really yeah. sad, restricted life, then go for it. But I wouldn't recommend it. We don't want you to have a sad, <laughs> restricted life. Ideally not. We want everyone to leave going, no, we want everyone to leave this podcast going, fuck yeah, I'm going to have the milkshake and maybe I'm going to think a little bit about what I'm going to eat this week and how I can be a bit kinder to myself and not feel stressed. I will say I, Gemma was very nice because I bumped our podcast record by half an hour and he's the, uh, he's, I'm going to admit it, I went to a body combat class because I have not gone to the gym this week because my day job's been feral. And I said to Rich, I really feel like I need to do this just to like exert some of that energy of feeling stressed and overworked. But there's a lovely girl at the beginning of the class who I sometimes chat with because a lot of Brits don't like to chat to anyone before anything. And she was the one person that will obviously uh, take a bit of Alicia time before for the gym. And she's this gorgeous, tall, very slim, young, young, young girl. And she said, when we walked in, she said, I just want to know, do you know where the closest bathroom is to this studio? And I said, oh, it's just up the stairs. And I said, are you okay? And she said, yes, I'm very hungover. I got in at 5 a.m. And this, the class was That's at dedicated. quarter to 10. And I'm like, fuck, you've only had, yeah. I'm like, good on you, man. And she said, oh, I worked, I worked, I worked the, uh, <laughs> I worked the wine really hard last night. And, and I was like, okay, I would, 
you know, that's what 10 years older will do to you. I would be at home with my head under the covers, not going to workout class right now. But she said, oh, I feel a bit fat. And I was like, oh, babe, serious. Like she was beyond not fat. Uh, and I was like, don't say that. It's You should be here because you feel good and it might wipe some of the evil out of the hangover, but it shouldn't be about fat. And here's me giving this girl this body, you know, this body sort of motivation before. Well, pop up. You go, girl. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> just change. Your, you need to shift that mentality. You're going, good for you for getting your ass out of bed. You're still probably a bit drunk. You're doing the body combat. She kept up with everything. She was amazing. But it was also like, I just wanted to shake her and go, you're not fat for the fucking love, the love of God. You're doing really well, but good on you for getting up and moving your ass. And good on you, Gemma, for moving this podcast for me to do body combat. Oh, that's completely fine. Thank you for shifting it so I had more time to clean my house. (laughs) By the way, if no one's tried body combat and they want a bit of fun, now I'm not very coordinated, I must say, but gee, I love it. It's some punching and kicking. Otherwise, if you fuck up, you just dance on the spot. That's what I do. It's good. I do love a bit of body combat, actually. And and I I think the the punching too, it makes you feel good. You just imagine what's going on, you know, through your week and what is causing you stress and off it goes. I punch everyone in the head when I think about it. And then I'm yep. like, if I'm getting, if I thought of I was ever getting mugged, I'm like, oh, I'll use my body combat. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Now, Gemma, if uh, you run a lot of things online, people don't have to be sitting right next to you to talk with you and learn and use your expertise. Could you tell us a little bit more how, about how people can get in touch with you and uh, learn and absorb your amazingness? Absolutely. So if you head to thesprout.com.au, um, I've got lots of free resources on there. Really easy to contact me. If you do want to get in touch with me directly, it's just Gemma at thesprout.com.au. Um, and yeah, for all bride chillers as well, um, I do work online. So um, either by Skype or Zoom or FaceTime, however you want to do it, I can do it. Um, so <laughs> depending on time zones, we can make it work. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of getting in touch with me. Um, you can go to the sprout.com.au forward slash bridechiller. Um, and you can also have 50% off your first consultation with me. Ooh, that's a very generous offer. Thank well, you. Look, if you're feeling vulnerable, I think, you know, if you're feeling like you do need a bit of individualized care, um, or even just some guidance, um, or another perspective, or, you know, if you've got 10 people barking at you as to what you should be um, doing with your life and eating, um, then, and you want something to just simplify it and, and give you the the one answer, um, you know, I'd like to be able to pay it forward a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. And I think, you know, it, it can be very overwhelming and it's a, one of those times, especially with a lot of this body image shit just being flung at people from all angles. I think it's just really nice to focus in and do something that's individualized, personalized, and that you're taking the time to look after yourself in the long term. This is not just about getting skinny or whatever leading up to a wedding. I think that's just something we all need to shut down and and focus on our own personal health and long-term well-being. So Gemma, this has been a really great chat and thank you for your down-to-earthness <laughs> and uh, enthusiasm and for being a member of the community as well. It's really great to have you on board and I look forward to chatting again. I hope we can come back and and uh, extend this conversation further. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me and, um, yeah, keep on body combating. Woo! <laughs> Punching and kicking. Happy days, Gemma. Happy days. The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.
Chiller Field Guide is our companion to the Bride Chiller Survival Guide. The Field Guide is a fill-outable must-have for modern couples, that's you, who want to organise their wedding like a boss and instead of worrying about silly little things that are unnecessary, they just want to get stuff done and stay focused on what matters the most. The Bride Chiller Field Guide does not contain references to perfection or having the best day of your life. It just helps you stay organised. Visit bridechillerstore.com to grab your copy and get on with your life. Happy days!